Episode 2 of Staying Local, a Rice Spear podcast. For those of you new to the show, I'm Nathan Spear, a partner at Rice Spear. We're a firm of lawyers in Auckland, New Zealand, with a particular passion for all things local government. Staying Local is a podcast where we invite interesting people in to discuss hot topics facing our council community. These interviews aren't all about work, though. We want to hear about passions outside of the workplace as well from undercover musicians to mountain climbers through to warriors' tragics. We really do have a diverse bunch in local government. So for this episode of the podcast, I had the pleasure of speaking with the former building manager at Tauranga City Council, Shay Harrop. Last year, Shay picked up his family and moved to South Korea, of all places, for a change of environment. On top of a lot of travel and juggling home responsibilities, Shay is also running a business that offers a service to New Zealand BCAs. I had a lot of fun chatting with Shay about the industry and its challenges, his hands-on experience with modern methods of construction, and a little bit of mountain bike chat thrown in for good measure. I hope you enjoy. Cool. Shay, thanks for coming on and let me record this I, I appreciate it you certainly don't don't need to so I'm grateful no problem hey so this is a podcast for council people right so most people are going to know who you are in any event but why don't we start by can you just introduce yourself and and tell us where you are at the moment which is the interesting part all right so I'm Shay Harrop and I have been in building controls for Oh, I think 17 years now. Started off in Fakatane, went to Tauranga, and now I'm hanging out in a little island called Jeju, which is off the south coast of South Korea. Casually. <laughs> what, what, what has brought you there? All right. So, um, Bex, my wife, she got a job teaching at an international school here. On the island, so the um, little town we live in has been set up solely for education. So there are three, uh, no, sorry, five international schools here, and the town basically is built completely around them. So the wow. government got sick of, I guess. Koreans leaving and losing all their talent when they go to study in places like New Zealand, Australia, the States, and Europe. And so they set up these schools that teach in English here. Right. How many people are there? Um, My wife's school, I think, has 900 students. I guess it's that times five. So, yeah. And then you've got, like, the apartment complex we live in. We have a lot of the families or a lot of the time just the mothers of the students have an apartment here that the kid lives with them while they're here while the father um, continues working in Seoul. All right. And so the, the apartment, I mean, you've showed me around your apartment quickly, but effectively it's all open plan. You've got your bedroom at one end and your office at the other. And uh... Yeah, I mean, my office is in the lounge because it's, yeah, open plan, kitchen, lounge, dining. Um, 
it's not a true Asian style apartment because they're trying to set up for the international community. But it is, I mean, we're 70 square meters for the four of us. So it's definitely apartment living and tight, but we didn't bring much over with us. Just mm. our bikes. Yeah, well, God, we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. <laughs> um, so how does, how does someone in building control carry on operating from where you are? How does that work? Well, I guess luckily there's a bit of a, for me, luckily there's a bit of a shortage of people with our skill set in New Zealand. Mm. Um, so I'm still working for companies back in New Zealand. I have um, mainly been focusing on quality assurance and competencies, those sorts of things, um, but not just for councils. I've been doing some work with um, some building companies, some larger companies on their quality assurance and improving their processes to make, I guess, getting building consent easier. Awesome. It's amazing that you can do that from some from so far away, isn't it? We do have the advantage in Korea of having some of the best internet in the world. Right. So, <laughs> so that helps. Yeah, that, that explains why this call is so clear. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so and um what's the remind me of the time difference? I think it's three hours, isn't it? Uh, yeah, between three and four. So we're four at the moment. Well, New Zealand's still in daylight savings and then Korea doesn't have daylight savings, so you'll switch. It'll, when you switch, we go back to three. Got it, got it. And so, yeah, how's that been um, effectively starting up a business, right? Because you've, you've left the council yeah. and, and yeah. started yeah. the business from afar. Yeah, I set up the business because my wife got this opportunity. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's had its ups and downs. So it started off a little slow um, while we were getting ready to leave and then picked up some clients and then, at the moment, with everyone on lockdown, um, yeah, a bit short on work, but that's, you know, as things, people get their systems and things set back up again, it, I'm sure I'll be back up and running at full speed. Well, here's an opportunity for a shameless plug, Shay. Go on, <laughs> go on. What's the name of the company and what are, you, what are you doing and what can you offer people? Yeah, so the name of the company is Building Cycle Limited and, yeah, like I said before, we fo I've been focusing on quality assurance and um, that's competencies, that sort of side of things, rather than just helping with processing and, yeah, sorry. I can't sell myself, you see. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's right. That's right. So, We've got, we got plenty of time. Yeah, I'm not really um, doing processing. have been looking into doing remote inspections um, because I'm trying to focus on work that can be done in chunks and set back. And so that works really well with the time difference because people have time to sort themselves out in the morning. I log in effectively just before lunch, New Zealand time, get the information and have stuff back to them by the next morning. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so it almost works better having that time difference. How does, a, how does a remote inspection work? That sounds fascinating. Yeah, I guess um, I've done a couple of trips to China um, to start that. But with the um, beginning of the virus and things, we were discussing looking at video inspections, um, mainly for the health reasons and things like that. But as people have seen with the um, brands, Artisan and things like that, 
there's different ways of doing this and collecting the information for quality. So just been looking into the advantages of that um, to see if it will work for me being remote. Yeah, yeah. Well, since you've been away, I've certainly experienced a big um, upswing in in the modular construction and, and yeah. um, that that area and fascinating questions that have been popped up with no real answers. So as everyone tries to navigate the their way through, find a solution, uh, you're you're really at the at the coalface. Yeah, and um, I was really excited about getting into that sort of work. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we're in lockdown just like everyone else at the moment. Yeah. So that's put a hold on that. But I saw in stuff yesterday, I think it was, the plan, you know, the offer from one of the factories to build a hospital in 18 weeks. You know, and after what I saw, because that was the factory that we went to, or one of the factories we went to, um, they could achieve it. And provided you have the right auditing regime around it, you could build some confidence. What was your, yeah, um, this is a, a topic that I'm so fascinated by. I'm involved in a case that's currently at pre-consenting stage, and it's a six-story hotel that that comes in and pods and and it's assembled on site here it's not a lot of detail as to how the assembly is meant to work and you know the big questions around what is consented what is building work what's not how do we it comes down to to that quality assurance point that you just mentioned how how can we be satisfied that even though we're not consenting necessarily these pods how how do we be sure that they comply with the building code yeah, and that I think is the challenge. And um, there were those determinations out of Waiheke um, mm. a couple of years ago now, um, which gave you sort of a good start. But ooh, a bit of our problem is the Building Act isn't ready um, for modern methods of construction, should we say. Um, and MB are the first to admit it, so I'm not having a crack at them. Uh, Don't um, worry, you're, you're not the first guest on this show to have a have a crack. And actually, uh, what I'm going to do is, I, I think this would be a great um, forum to to open up to to someone um, from MB to say, "Hey, come on and, and let's talk about some of these interesting issues." And and modular construction is is one of them. I would have thought. Yeah, but I mean, it's in the building reform that they're working on and things yeah. like that. So these legislation takes time. And unfortunately, um, modular construction has been around for hundreds of years, but um, it was dealt with differently in the past. And we weren't in the litigious environment we're in now, um, which you know more about than I do. Yes. What, yeah. um, what do you think from a, a QA perspective what is the best way to make sure that you know these pods or whatever they are coming in are compliant yeah so i mean i have been talking with jeff farrington and he'll yeah. be a good guest for you to have yeah on. Yeah. Um, yeah absolutely there's yeah the partnership regime that they've been working on and things like that have been um i think the most positive ways to do it because you need them to trust you as council because this is their intellectual property. And one of the um, hardest things for councils, especially smaller councils, is being able to prove 
that you can maintain their intellectual property around their um, manufacturing processes, but still have enough information to show that you have reasonable grounds to um, accept it under the building code. And that is where you have to have agreements on what you can release to the public and what is reasonable to withhold under a Lagoima request. Mm. I think that's where people maybe forget with the risk and why um, people are not, I guess, willing to just hand everything to, to the council on the plate because people are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars setting up these processes. And if they hand you the whole book, um, which a lot of people will show you the book, um, but if they hand you the whole book and it's on council records, well, that's, you know, nothing stopping the next person coming along and go, okay, I'd like to look going to request everything. Yeah. And that is a fascinating perspective because I, I haven't heard that yet. I've only heard the council side of it, which is we require more information. Tell us how, how this is going to work. Yeah. And so that's why I think the partnership is key because you have to be able to listen to the people on the other side and understand why they don't want to just fill your um, files with, you know, books and books of information, which we know they have to, um, to build it to such a high level because um, it's a manufacturing process at the end of the day and you're getting a product. So it's the same as a dishwasher or a car. The way it goes through, that's the process that follows. And so, I, can, I, I can see a little niche for you here, Shay, to be the, um, I don't want to say middleman, but. Yeah, um, yeah, and I guess that's some of the work that I'm pretty excited about getting into. Yeah. Is, is doing that and making sure that people can um, have assurance and understand that it's done. And it might be that a middleman, not necessarily myself, because, you know, I'm not the best at selling myself, but um, is a way to do that because as a private individual, I can have contracts that I don't have to release information, but I can also put together a file that means the council can say justifiably on reasonable grounds, this person who, you know, we can set up as a technical expert in their systems and things has done adequate audits and provided adequate information for us to be satisfied. Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, that's a bit of sales pitch. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I do see though that, that the trouble is you can't be there on site all time, all the time, right? So the yeah. first run in this factory might be tickety-boo, everything's fine, but how do you know that the next ones coming off the conveyor belt are, are up to scratch? Yeah, and that's where you have to rely on their manufacturing systems. Mm. So um, you have to make sure that they have a quality system to start with and follow that through and then do spot audits. And I, I suppose, how is that any different from a normal inspection regime, you know, where, whether it be cladding or whatever it is? You, a council inspector's not there every minute of the day to, yeah. to, to watch cladding go on the, on the frame. That's it. And it's, I guess it's about looking at what they're doing right and how you can do it better rather than trying to find them doing something wrong. Yeah. What are the, so did you only go to one of the factories or have you been to... I've been to a couple. Yeah. And are they yeah. all similar or what's the difference? Um, 
the process was completely different um, in terms of how they were putting the building together and the details, each component of the detail was, was different. But the fact that, you know, something started at one end and went through stages and had, a, um, you think a BCA manual is thick, you should see the um, process manual for putting a house together, you know. It made a set of plans look like, yeah, two sheets. It's just a huge raft of information and checks at each stage. Um, but the challenge that the factories I saw had was um, that independence. Mm. And I suppose also that they are presumably manufacturing for different jurisdictions all yeah. over the world. And yeah, I'm picking that our compliance pathways are going to be different than you know, wherever. So yeah. uh, how do you... Of, there was a lot of discussion around that and um, the best way. And, you know, my recommendation, because it's my love is like, choose the best from everywhere because, you know, these guys were sending houses to Alaska. So their thermal performance was insane compared to ours, but rather than change their process to reduce it for us, put in, you know, your quadruple glazed windows and have your thermal breaks and separations and things. And yeah, it will still meet the performance criteria. You don't have to go for the acceptable solution. And that I think was one of the mistakes they were both making. Mm. So, so effectively it's over-engineered, but why is that a bad thing? And especially yeah. if, if, if costs are being cut so dramatically by using this modern method, then yeah. It, it, yeah, it might even out. Well, especially right now when no one's building. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, and you're so in, um, jumping around a bit, but in terms of COVID nineteen, you're you're actually well ahead of us in terms of how long you've been locked down, right? Yeah, I'm heading into week seven. <laughs> oh, the fact that you're still smiling says a lot about you, Shay. No point getting upset about life, but um, we're not quite as um, restricted. It's more like level three on the New Zealand system here. So you're still sort of out to go out. You're not to socialise and those sorts of things, but you can still get out. We still have postal services and um, Amazon orders and things like that getting through. Um, can't get anything from New Zealand, so my Marmite supply is quite low. Oh, oh <laughs> I really yeah. feel for you right now. Yeah. but um, you, need a, you need a care package as soon as we're back down to level three, right? Yeah. But we, uh, hang on a sec. Ari, could you please go and shut the door? I'm yelling. <laughs> well, this is just the reality, you know. That we're the realities of it. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's my son. He's doing his Korean lessons at the moment in the background. Wow. Um, but, yeah, we can still get Amazon orders. We are allowed to go for drives and walks. And um, the island belongs a tourist island, so it's pretty empty right now. So... I mean, I went for a three-hour bike ride yesterday and didn't see anyone. Um, so it's easy to stay, I guess, um, self-isolated. It's about time we started. We talked about bikes because we haven't. We, we managed to get through twenty minutes of conversation without talking about cycling. <laughs> so yeah, the, that's uh, unusual for us. But it is. It is your passion, and um, yeah, you're you're a mountain biker by trade, and I'm a I'm a roadie, and you earlier and well, we'll talk. Be, it's a wonder. 
Yeah, exactly. Early last year, you took me and showed me the ropes in, in Rotorua, and it was a bit embarrassing for me. But uh, so yeah, I'm pleased to hear you're getting some riding done over there. What's the what's the riding like? Um, so the riding is either on paved roads, which you'd love, you know, perfect for your cyclocross bike, yeah. or extreme sort of downhill riding over rocks as big as your head. So um, I've been doing a bit of the latter. Yeah, good. Um, my, kids are, my kids are a bit disappointed because they haven't been able to get out um, off-road on their bikes. They've been yeah. stuck on the paved stuff because um, it's pretty technical riding. But, yeah, I did a um, yeah three-and-a-half-hour downhill ride the other day. Um, so that was good fun and had sore shoulders by the end of it trying to get over all those rocks. Good effort. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, we've... We're sort of locked down into our neighbourhood, so yeah. It's I've I've been um I've been taking the kids out on the cargo bike, which has been awesome because you can, you can only go so so far on that anyway. But yep, yeah. yeah. And what so apart from riding and and um walking around, like what what do you what can you get up to? What's what's your life look like these days? Yeah, it's a lot of walking. Um, we've been doing a lot of walking, and because it's still too cold to spend much time at the beach and things like that, because. Mm. Uh, yeah, we've just hit cherry blossom season, so we're going to head out and have a look at all the cherry blossoms that the island's famous for. And we've been trying to do some of the cultural stuff on the island because previously, um, every sort of break we had, um, we would jump overseas, go to Japan or um, different places to pop around. We went to Europe for Christmas. Um, so, yeah, we've been making sure we see the most of the island while we're stuck here. Awesome. And um, what are you, apart from Marmite, what are you missing about New Zealand? Um, I guess the the social contact, like your, your group of friends, family, that sort of thing is always one of the first things you miss. Um, I haven't seen lamb since I left New Zealand. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't seem to eat lamb on the island. But, yeah. It's, is, it, is the food, is it westernised or you know, given no, how international it is? Um, or? So the school has, um, or the area around the schools has some Westernized food and things, but it's pretty expensive because it's um, a target audience. So we try to mainly eat Korean food when we go out. Um, Korean barbecues keep me alive. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you're not looking like you've enjoyed too much Korean barbecue, I have to say. Ah, that's good, that's good. <laughs> it's obviously all the cycling. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, but it's, yeah, I mean, we're enjoying getting out further and that's one thing about this lockdown is we've spent some time learning some Korean recipes and um, cooking them ourselves at home and things like that to try and use local produce boost because as we get further and further, there's less and less imported things available. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, we, we're learning to use the local vegetables and things ahead of time, so it's not a big shock. Is are you on like sort of a fixed con contract, or is there a is there a sunset on how long you're going to be in Korea? So it's a two year contract, and we're eight months in, um, but it's got the right of renewal. So and then there's also other schools and other jobs around that you know here in Japan, the rest of the world that we could look at as well. 
Yeah. So our kids are at um, a great age to be doing this. So we'll get to the end of that two years and have a big long family discussion and see where we go. Because yeah, like I said, my son, my son Tan's just doing Korean lessons now, and it's great to see them learning a new language and just understanding a different culture and how things are different. And at seven years old, that's a pretty special thing to be able to give them. Mm, definitely. Yeah, that's, there's only one time in your life to get that sort of opportunity, isn't there? And, uh, yeah. and yeah, you're really so. doing it right now. And if you can be working from afar and really yeah. staying, staying in, in your lane, then that's, yep. that's phenomenal. Yeah, so that's, that's uh, the exciting things. Yeah, is there, have you been sort of following along what's, what's going on back in New Zealand in the, in the building space? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm still signed up to all the um, email alerts and updates and things that come out of all the different organizations and things like that. And I, you know, stay across the news and things because I'm still working for New Zealand, effectively, all my customers are New Zealand based. So I have to remain um, up to speed technically. And it is good to um, yeah make sure I do know what's going on. And, you know, I've been a manager, so I stay in touch with people from my old teams and things like that because, one, you miss the people you used to work with, and, two, it's nice to make sure, you know, where they're going with their careers and enjoying seeing their growth. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you think when you come back is, is the plan to, you know, could you go back into a council or do you think um, you've, you're enjoying the consultancy life too much? Um, it's a tough question because I do miss some aspects of council, um, especially miss the team environment. Um, but yeah, then again, I don't miss some of the stresses that come with council. Um, but I also like getting a paycheck every week Mm. when you get something like this, I'm sure all the council staff are still getting paid. Whereas, uh, like I said, I had an 80% downturn this month, so I'll be lucky to cover my insurance costs. Yeah, uh, never say never. Yeah, yeah. Is there any um, sort of any particular area that you, apart from the the modern methods of construction, is there any other areas that you're, you're interested to, to get into? Yeah, I've been doing a lot of work on the quality side. Um, so not just bca manuals but the quality side with um construction companies so them developing processes so they can answer the different ways for the 50 60 councils they'll deal with um and not have to change their processes and miss leave glaring holes in their um, plans and those sorts of things so i've been really enjoying that and um feeling like it might make a bigger difference you know What's the solution there? Now having having heard it from the uh, the builder's side or the developer's side, yeah, how, yeah. How do you? What is the solution? I I think the solution is having um, processes mapped out where you know that if you've got a strong process and an understanding of what's required, having it asked the question asked a different way doesn't make matter. Yeah, yeah. So so you're talking about sort of a a centralized regime for consenting that comes from? Oh, that would be um, uh, uh, another way of skinning the cat if, if you did get that central processing unit. But I think we're probably moving further away from that with um, 
you know, private BCAs being set out by government agencies. So that well, that's that's, that's a, an area that I'm really keen to talk to you about. Being away from it, what what do you think about Kang Order? How, how's the um, what's the feeling on the on the ground where you are? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough call. You look at what's just happened in Australia and go, okay, well, there's some risk in this space. And, you know, a government agency not having faith in the process, we've really, something's gone wrong to have got to that stage where the government agency is going, well, this process doesn't work, we'll do it ourselves. You know, so that... Do you think that is what it is? Do you think that that's what's behind it? Or is it simply there's money to be made through consenting? Uh, The risk they're taking on um, is reduced for Housing New Zealand, right? And possibly the Ministry of Education later. Um, Because they they can manage the risk um, themselves. But... That also is where your potential conflict of interest comes in because you pick and choose what's the right thing based on your risk model. Um, But then you go and look at history and go state housing was some of the best engineered housing we had in the country. So if they follow that risk model, it could be beneficial for the country. Spend less time proving that you've met the minimums and just exceed the minimums. Yeah, well, there's a reason why those houses, I mean, it's still, it's crazy to think that there are these houses which have been around for 50 years that, yes, okay, they don't look as flash as this architecturally designed um, masterpiece over here, which is leaky. (laughs) How does does that all work? Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I like to keep things simple and let's hope that they are too. Yeah, well, cost um, becomes a factor in that right and that's simplicity normally costs less yeah so yeah i don't, I don't know it'd be a, a space to watch yeah yeah are you just are you sort of following along on in the papers and and things on yeah. that or you got an inside and LinkedIn as well you know because um you they have some good information coming out of their LinkedIn pages for, um, well, I've forgotten the name of it, but what Housing New Zealand effectively changed their name to. Um, yeah, there's there's some there's some good information. It's all the, the positive news coming out of there. But I do also worry about the impact it's had on places like Auckland staffing levels and things like that, and therefore the run-on effect to the rest of the community. Yeah, have you heard the, the rumours about you know, poaching and and yeah, that stuff going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, I've heard all those rumours and things. So, yeah, it's it's tough because you know, councils don't have an unlimited resource or a pot of money because at the end of the day, they have to have fair and reasonable charges. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And and normally, the um, well, we, when you're worried about internal poaching, it conferences and then now having to worry about external poaching too is yeah that's tough yeah i mean there's always been your consultants and things who have you know you hire them to do your work because you can't get the resources and they're they also have the ability to to pay more because you know uh, 
councils have to help pay for IT departments and all those things and get charged overheads that you can run a leadership privately. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I was just wondering, are you involved in any of the determinations going around? Have you have you found yourself in that lane yet? Not yet. I have I have um, said that I'm available, but I, I don't know if I've said it to the right people. Well, now you've got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, being a, um, an expert witness is something that would be fun and also providing technical advice, sort of hopefully based on, you know, recent um, experience being on the other side of the fence um, to make sure that it is looking at the page from, yeah, looking at the issue from both sides. Yeah, that, that's right. You, you've got a, a, a unique perspective now, having having seen how the other side lives. Yeah, and hey, still I, fresh enough out of council to know the pains they face. Yes. I, I'm really interested just to hear from you quickly on, apart from these, these sort of topics that we've already covered, what you think, what's the next thing around the corner that we can we can expect here in New Zealand? Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the legislation changes. I haven't heard too much on that. I think there'll be, myself, some big changes in the engineering space um, around certification, and hopefully um, we get something sorted in the producer statement um, side and having confidence in engineering. Yes. Maybe, maybe don't hold your breath for that. Yeah, well, I've, I mean, I've heard rumblings that things are moving in that space. Great. So, Great. I, I, and I hope it is because that's one big um, change for the worst that I've seen in my years of doing it is that um, there's less faith in, yeah, I guess the professionals than there possibly was before. Why do you think that is? Um, I think, well, you went through the over-reliance on producer statements for all trades in the 90s, but then also I think a lot of engineers maybe didn't move with the times and the fact that you do have to provide more demonstration and things and also people have been trying to stretch the limits and make things, yeah, make the dollar go further. And so therefore the designs have become less conservative and higher risk. And as a result, um, there has been failings and once something fails, you know, once bitten, twice shy. Yeah. I think a big thing for me is that, you know, it's easy to design a, a, a four-bedroom house on a flat section, but there are no flat sections anymore. Not many so left. Yeah, Half exactly. a mile is filling up. <laughs> yeah, and it really is filling up. I have to say, I, I flew in the other day and it just, it, it was um, mind-blowing how, how much development's gone on out there. But yeah, yeah. When, when you're building on hills, that requires engineering and um, and normally engineering is expensive. Yeah. It's the reality, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Hey, I've kept you long enough, Shay, but a um, couple of things that we are doing on this, just a, a couple of generic questions, which have absolutely nothing to do with building or your uh, experience as a council officer, but just an opportunity for us to find out a little bit more about you. Um, we've talked about your sporting prowess, but what's a, a book or an album or, or some other cultural recommendation that, that you, you want to 
Let us know about. Just to sell my island that I'm living on at the moment, I've just um, read a book, I think it's called The Woman of the Sea, and it's about the um, Jeju Hanyul divers and how they sort of, it's one lady's perspective and how she survived going through the war and um, and the aftermath of the war because that's something you don't see in New Zealand history is the aftermath and um, the pain that happened trying to change your whole culture um, around yeah that so that's a that was a good read it sounds like it we'll, we'll have to um, I'll have to get that off you and I'll I'll put the details in the in the show notes below. Um, Okay, and so you can't answer this question with where you are, but where's the best place you've been in the past 12 months? You've done plenty of travel. Yeah, um, I'm going to go with, what was that town we were in in Austria for Christmas, Ari? Um, Bad Gastein um, in Austria, just because we had Christmas there and we had like 30 centimetres of snow on Christmas Day. And we had that just classic winter Christmas, which, you know, none of us had ever properly experienced before. Awesome. That sounds great. So is that the, is that the plan for this Christmas then too? Are you, are you heading oh, back to we're Europe? not sure. We're not sure. The three-kilometer sledding hill was pretty fun. So we might, we might head back somewhere like that if we're allowed to travel. Well, that's right. Yeah. We have to see where we get to on that. Um, now you prior to to getting involved with council you you actually had an interesting uh career completely outside of the industry and so the, the, um I think I I know the answer to this question but if you, if you weren't um working in the industry that you are what do you think you'd be doing Yeah I think I'd probably be back in um tourism because that was a great life and um yeah, working in that space or yeah, building adventure equipment because I used to build high ropes courses and rock climbing walls. Um, funnily enough, I looks like I have a job coming up here on the island building a mountain bike park. So that should be fun. Awesome, awesome. How, how did that come about? Uh, one of the guys, the, the Korean guys I've met riding with, um, him and some buddies are setting it up as a business and yeah they've asked for a bit of help so um, i'll see how i can help them make sure it uh, doesn't fall over <laughs> that's awesome and is that like is it private land or is it public land or what what's um, it's private land yeah so it's private land it'll be a private sort of mountain bike park to yeah bring tourism in a scaled down version of uh, I guess the what you see at the gondola in Rotorua. Awesome. Well that sounds like a great initiative and um something to get on on board with, no doubt. Yeah, you gotta use your use your passions to make money. That's it. And gotta gotta um have fun to make money too. Yeah. Totally agree. Shay, I really appreciate you you coming on. I've I've um Really enjoyed our, our call, and we'll, we'll catch up uh, on other matters after this, shall we? Superb. Cheers. Thanks, Shay. Thanks,